welcome to yet another edition of Setting History Straight. Your host for tonight's program is Linda Watson. She'll be coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Joey Thompson. I'm in the mountains of North Georgia. And tonight, Linda, we have quite a controversial subject by some standards, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think we do. But I think it's important that we cover this subject and, and we explain ourselves really well and it is a controversial subject but it with any new truth joey i think people need to have an open mind and be willing to listen to new truth don't you believe that i I know in your life and mine the way that we view doctrine is that it's ever changing absolutely that's because as we grow and we study we learn more and more information and and our our uh, purpose is never to offend anyone but our purpose is to help people grow in in their walk and if we're able to do that that's really good and uh, we've got to keep in mind that we were all born into to x number of deceptions that were just waiting for us when we come out of the womb that's just the absolute truth and a lot of times people join groups and organizations and churches and then they they make this huge change in the beginning but then they kind of freeze and then they don't move forward from there because they get very comfortable in what they believe and and anything that's new comes up they get really emotional and upset and we need to be founded and we need to be founded in the fact that we are are a covenant keeping people and that we are to keep the old testament and the new testament and we're supposed to be grounded in those but Yahweh is really the person who teaches us uh how to how to learn that information and reveals it to us it's not something that we necessarily get from other people and i might say that before you make any change in anything that you do that you always take time and research it yourself see if the person is telling you the correct information and that you pray on it and i know when i made one simple little change it took me over a year because i wanted to make sure that i was i had turned over every rock and and looked at everything before i moved forward and i i believe that you you have had some similar things that you've looked at that you've done the same thing i what i don't want to see anyone do is they hear something once and they immediately make a change because you know yahweh wants you to research just like the bereans and make sure that what you were learning is correct and and uh Joy, you want to make any more comments along those lines on uh on that on that? No, I I think I think you've covered it well because it changes repentance and that that's not just coming out of sin, you know, to repent of a sin. It's it's also to change and repent your theology when you're when, when we you're see it's not yeah, correct. That's right. And the the thing that Yahweh wants to do is strengthen his people before the end time. I'm I'm convinced of that and educate them the way he wants them educated. And if I'm wrong on something, he's going to correct me because I will ask him to correct me. 
But if I'm right on something and I, I see that I, and I try to teach what I think is correct, not through any bias of my own, but through, you know, research that I've done, then I feel that, you know, people need to approach things with an open mind. If you remember when the Ten Commandments were given, and there were, the covenant was being given to the Israelites, he said, Shema O Israel, which means listen and do. But people say, well, yeah, I listen, but I'm not going to do anything new. Yeah, hear <laughs> and obey. Hear and obey, but you also have to listen, which means that involves having an open mind. You right. can't just throw things out and say, well, you know. And, and we also all become emotionally attached to doctrine, which should never happen. Uh, being attached to doctrine should never happen because doctrine changes. So when we become so emotionally attached to something that we not uh, can't allow ourselves to look at it and and examine whether it's correct or not, then you know we don't have that open mind. We're not listening and doing. And I think that before we start, that's what we need to we need to make that as an introduction so people hear that and, and understand, and hopefully uh, they understand what I'm trying to say. We're going to be covering the Talmud tonight, the history of the Talmud. And there is m much good information, Joey, in the Talmud. There's, it's, it's, it's a book that had a lot of the oral traditions written down, and most of those traditions were written down at various times because there's two versions of the Talmud. One is the Jerusalem Talmud, which was written and compiled around 230 A.D. Um, and it says, I'm going to read you a little bit about that. It says, Jokohana was the head of the synagogue in Jerusalem for 80 years, and he wrote 39 chapters of the Mishnah, which is compiled in the in this year 230 A.D., which was the was the Jerusalem Talmud. But they also have a Babylonian Talmud, and that is the one that most people actually that study the Talmud actually study. And I'm going to read you the brief history on this. It says it was not compiled by any one person nor at any one time. Rabbi Ashi began it 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 in 327 A.D and labored over it for 60 years. He was followed by Rabbi Merimah from about the year of 427 A.D. and was completed by Rabbi Abney about the year of 500 A.D. And so what they were really doing is they were compiling information, and it's massive. It's a large amount of information that's in the Talmud. And like I said, it's the Jerusalem Talmud is not the ones that they usually use. It's, it's the Babylon Talmud that they use. But there are parts of the Talmud that we want to discuss tonight, uh, Joey. And that is the parts of the Talmud that I feel and you feel that the Messiah was actually talking about when he was on the earth dealing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, remember, were the teachers of the day. There was, what, 6,000, if I remember correctly? Um, and those, those Pharisees were the ones that taught the people. And, and the Messiah was very plain to tell them that they were including their doctrines 
and they were adding to their doctrines. And what really happened is that these oral traditions that had been passed down by the Jewish uh, groups through the centuries, those Jewish traditions have been compiled, they were compiled 200 years after the Messiah died, as, as a matter of fact. And a lot of those, I feel, and, and I'm going to show you tonight, that are not correct, and they are in the Talmud. And we want to cover that. We want to make sure that people see that. Um, first of all, there is all religions, all religions today, and I, I'm talking about organized religions, are not the body of Christ. They are groups and organizations. Some are good, some are bad, some are, do as best, best job as they can, but they're organizations. And, Joey, tell the audience what Yahweh said about who is actually part of the body. It's, it's, the, it's the people that he chooses, correct? Yeah, it's uh, John 6.44 says, No man can come to Yeshua unless the Father draws him. So it's the called out of Israel. And that's all of the tribes of Israel. It's not just Judah or the house of Judah. It, it is included Judah, but it's it's the entirety of the body of the house of Israel. It, and, of course, there's there'll be those that are grafted in in the kingdom as well. Right. And so that's what we're basically saying is that the church is not a group or organization. No, definitely the not. The church is, is a body of people that Yahweh has chosen. And that... That's who that is who the church is, and it's that's well defined in scripture. Now, the Bible talks about the word Babylon, and we want to cover that first because maybe Joy, you know right offhand where that scripture is that talks about how in the in the book of Revelations that the 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 Babylon in the book of Revelations and how all her daughters were part of that Babylon religion. Do you know yeah. that verse right offhand? I yeah. figured you would. Revelation 17, verse 5. And it said, Can you on, read that for us, sure. please? On her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and, the abomin of, and of the abominations of the earth. And, of course, a woman in Scripture is always a church of some sort, whether it be good or bad. And in this case, the mother of harlots would be the harlots that come out of this mystery Babylon the Great. Now, I'm just going to flat out tell you that the teachers that lived during the Dark Ages, and I will cover that in more sessions. I think I covered it in the last two sessions. Those particular leaders back in the dark ages that kept the Sabbath and kept the holy days and kept the the covenant the best that they knew how, they believed that the Catholic Church was the church that's written in the book of Revelations that they're talking about in that scripture. They actually said it. Okay? Now, the church that's, that came out of that were the Protestant churches. and And so we have organizations that have formed and people have formed them but they pick and choose which doctrines they want to they want to choose now I'm not and and I think Joey also will agree we're not here to 
knock or condemn anybody's church, religion, or faith. That's not our point. Our point is to point out exactly what what history showed us, which is that that the 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 leaders, the religious leaders at that time, believed that the Catholic Church fit that description. That Joey, are we on the same page with that? I know that that's what that's what they taught. Yeah. Now let's okay. Let's look at that word Babylon. The word Babylon comes from the Strong's Concordance. If you do H eight nine four, it means confusion. And you can look that up, but it has a root word in it. That root word is H1101. And that root word means to mix. That's what it means, to mix or to mingle. So Babylon, the word Babylon means confusion, yes, because it's, it comes from the word Babel. But it also has a root word that means to mix. And if, if you remember the story... In the very beginning with Adam and Eve, there were two trees. Now, one tree was, the, was the, uh, the good tree that they could eat from, but then the other tree was called what? The, knowledge, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and, and evil. And evil. Okay, so the, my point is that a lot of church organizations have a lot of good. They do a lot of good works. They do a lot of good. They teach a lot of good things. But in some of these churches and groups, and I'm not here to judge, only, only Yahweh judges groups and churches and people. But I'm here to tell you that there is some things in these organizations that were made by men. And they were made by no other way to say it except that they do not follow Scripture. Let, let, and, let, Linda, let me, uh, let me correct you just a little bit. When you say you're not here to judge, uh, you're saying you're not here to condemn. There's two words right. in the New Testament for judge. The other one that is translated judge means to discern. So I, I would say that you, are, you and me are here to discern righteousness versus unrighteousness. You're, is that you're correct? You're absolutely right. Okay. And so, and so what I'm trying to point out here is that many of the organizations have both good and bad in them. They have both good and bad, and that's, that's because they're organizations that are created by man. Now, I'm telling people that, that it's my opinion that they lead their churches. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that we recognize, we recognize that there is good and bad in, in a lot of the churches. And a lot of the churches that came out of the Catholic Church, which is the Protestant Church, kept a lot of the same doctrines the Catholic Church had. That's just a fact. But, Linda, the, the question then becomes, and I think you're going to get to this, if, if we say the origin of the Protestant churches was the Catholic Church, what was the origin of the Catholic Church? Okay, the origin of the Catholic Church was started by the Nicene Fathers. And the Nicene Fathers started basically with Philo. Philo was a very wealthy man. And if you go and look in the encyclopedias, and especially if you look in the Wikipedia, it'll tell you he was closely associated with the Pharisees. He lived in Jerusalem at the time of Christ, short, in that time frame. 
Now he started a, a school which was called the, the Alexandra School. Now you had uh, Clemen, who was the headmaster who was trained in that school. You had Origen, who was trained in that school. You had Tatian, who was trained in that school. You had Valerius, who was trained in that school. Now, all of those men, and, and uh, they also influenced Julia Mortis, uh, and he basically was the one who wrote a document called the Apology, and the Apology says, hey, we got it wrong. We should be keeping Sunday instead of Saturday. Now, I cannot for the life of me figure out how these five people that I mentioned, which were, were most of them were Jewish, and especially uh, Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr was Jewish. Why he would tell the people that they needed to keep Sunday. And he was the first one to write it. Now, Clement got with the bishop in Rome, which was Victor, and they decided that that's the doctrine they wanted to go with, and they pushed in Sunday worship. And that started in that in the original Roman church that was set up. And it eventually disintegrated de- de- into all these false teachings. Now, it wasn't just that the Jewish people had a high level of influence, but the pagans did also. Because the pagans brought their idols in. What I'm trying to say here is that the Jewish religion had a strong influence on the Catholic Church, and especially in the beginning, and it was the the Jewish teachers in the Alexander School that changed Saturday to Sunday because the Catholic Church for 200 years kept, kept Saturday. They did not keep Sunday. So is if, if I'm hearing you right, Linda, then this is the beginning of what we would call Judeo-Christianity. Am I correct? Exactly. And if you notice, there's a lot of similar similarities between the Catholic Church and the uh, and Judaism because the Catholic Church adopted a lot of those teachings. They they brought them in from Judaism. When you look at the Pope, he wears the the kifa. He also wears a prayer shawl. Uh, He also wears a mitre hat, which is what the high priest wore when he was in in the book of Leviticus. So that's just three examples right there. The Sanhedrin was made up of 70 people. The cardinals are made up of 70. So a lot of the teachings from Judaism were brought into the Catholic Church in the very early eight stages. And Valerius was the one who started the first school, uh, and he was Jewish. He started the first school that was similar to the school in Alexander. He started that school in Rome. And it, it and that's where the, the Roman church began to form and develop. It began to form and develop by the, the Nazi Jews. fathers mm-hmm. who were Jewish. Well, the book of Romans is Paul's letter to the Jews that live in Rome. So that stands to reason. And, and we're not here like to point the finger at any group or, or church or organization. That's not our point. Our point is bring the truth forward. The 
Catholic Church, and and we also mentioned something about it was the it was the Babylon that's mentioned in the Book of Revelations, and 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 other things can apply to that because there's more than one inter- interpretation to some of those scriptures, but. We do know that the teachers during the Dark Ages pointed to that and, and said that, that the Catholic Church was that, you know, Babylonian church that's being mentioned there. And the other churches that came out of there, many of them took the teachings of the Catholic Church and, and they came out in protest to the, against the Catholic Church, but they still kept a lot of the doctrines and teachings. Now, the tree of good and evil is, is what we're talking about, a a mixing of good and evil. And what what we're trying to say here is that you don't mix, you don't mix seed, you know, you don't mingle seed, you, do, you don't even mix, it even tells you not to mix linen with cotton, and, and uh, it, it goes into a lot of detail about mixing, but it, there was a spiritual side to that, because you don't bring your false teachings into your church. That's what you don't do. And that's yeah. what we're trying to say. And that's what the Messiah was saying when he made the tree. And he made the tree and he says it's good and evil. Don't eat of it. Because that's you right. don't compromise and say, well, it's okay. They teach some bad things, but that's okay. No, it's not okay. Because the scriptures are perfect. David said the scriptures are perfect. Now, a lot of people will go in and say, well, look here, this is wrong in the Bible. It's, but what they're looking at is the translations of people who have translated it. There's nothing that, that's in the Bible that's incorrect because it was inspired by God. And that's written in the New Testament. We know that. And, and most of those things... If you try to follow them, you'll see that your life gets better. So um, we want to go through and talk about that. We don't mix good and evil. And I want to talk to you about some of the things that are written in the Talmud, specifically about the Messiah. There's things written in the Talmud about Mary. And many people do not know that this is even in the Talmud. Enjoy do you have that paragraph? Sure. Can you read that? I know now some of these books that you're quoting from are difficult names because I'm not familiar with all the names of the books of the of the Talmud, but there's many, many books. So if you sure. go ahead, he's going to read about what they said about the Messiah, Jesus. The first one is, and I'm going to use the name, Jesus, because that's what what's written in them. Of course, is that I don't consider that to be his correct name, but it says Jesus was born out of wedlock, and that's in Mishnah Yebath Moth four thirteen uh, to his mother Miriam and her lover Pantera, and that's in Shabbat one o four b. Now, just some commentary on that. Um, you know, that would basically be saying that Miriam was a whore, that she definitely was uh, not, Joseph was not her only husband, is basically right. what it's saying. Exactly. So that would be a form of a mamzer in some form or fashion. The next one, it says, she is said to have 
been the descendant of princes and rulers and to have played the harlot with a carpenter. Of course, that carpenter would have been Joseph. And that's in Sanhedrin 106a. I, I need to take a break here. It looks like I'm going past my little time slot for my commercial. Let's take a break and we'll come right back. Where are the Israelites today? Are they still alive? On Setting History Straight, we answer that question and many other questions about biblical history. For more information about this broadcast, please visit our website at www.12tribehistory.com. That is the number 12, tribehistory.com, or email us at lwatson44 at cox.net with any questions or comments. And now, let's rejoin Setting History Straight. Jesus spent time in Egypt from where he learned magic. He was a magician who deceived and led Israel astray. He mocked at the words of the wise and was tainted with heresy and was thus excommunicated. Sanhedrin 107b. The next one, the next false statement says... He called himself God. He never called himself God, by the way. Also, the Son of Man, and said that he would go up to heaven. That's Jerusalem, Tanit, 65a. The next one. He was near to the kingdom and had five disciples. Five. Well, (laughs) believe they they cut him a little short there. Sanhedrin 43a. Next one. He was tried in Lydia as a deceiver and as a teacher of apostasy. And that's in Sanhedrin X, or 10, dash uh, 11. Jerusalem Sanhedrin, 25C, dash D. He was executed in Lydia on the eve of the Passover, which was also the eve of the Sabbath, by being stoned and hung or crucified. And that's Toshita, Sanhedrin 9-7. For 40 days, a herald proclaimed that he was to be stoned and invited evidence in his favor, but none was given, Sanhedrin 43a. He, under the name of Balaam, was put to death by Pictus the robber, 
Pontius Pilate, as he's known in the scripture. When he was 33 years old, Sanhedrin 106b. And the last one that you have listed here, Linda, he was punished by Gehenna by the means of a of boiling filth. And that is in Gittin, G-I-T-T-I-N, 56b and 57a. One more. Finally, under the name of Balaam, he is one of those excluded from the world to come, Mishnah Sanhedrin 10. Okay, so the Talmud does not have a good description of the Messiah. It's a very negative description. It's very accusatory and is and very deceptive, and it is incorrect. And I don't know if you want to make any more comments, Joey. Um, Mary that we talked about, Mary, now this this is what was written about Mary in Sanhedrin 106a, says Jesus' mother was a whore. She was the descendant of the princes and governors and played the whore with the carpenters, more than one. In the footnote in the Sabbath, 104b, in its, its uncensored text from the Talmud, is written uh, that Jesus' mother, Miriam, was a hairdresser and had sex with many men. So they didn't have a, a favorable an account on the Messiah or his mother. For, for that goes, neither a, a good explanation of Joseph. Uh, now, we also want to talk about how the people in that were Christians were written about in the Talmud. Now, some of it you have to realize that they were talking about the idolaters, which I understand why they would write some of that, but some of it was not the idolaters. Well, so, it, Linda, even if it was idolaters, you don't talk about them in this way. I mean, no, you just you don't. don't. <laughs> Now, we're going to read some of this. It's in the Lordia 198-48 in Haga. It says, a woman must wash herself again if she sees any unclean things, such as a dog, a ass, a people of the earth, a Christian, a camel, a pig, a horse, or a leper. So now, anything that was an unclean animal, she would, if she sees them, she has to go take another bath. But a Christian is also one of those, that's, and, if she sees them. And, and my question is, where is that in Scripture? <laughs> well, it, it's not. And see, it's not. This is why the Messiah was bringing the points home in the New Testament about how they were creating their own doctrine, which we're going to go through those Scriptures today. All right, well, we're going to try and finish all this stuff that's written in the Talmud first. Now, like I said, there's a lot of good that's written in the Talmud, but we can't have the good and evil. You don't eat from good and evil. That's Linda, what the scripture says. Linda, can I read one scripture that applies to this specifically? Absolutely. Okay, this is Matthew 23, verse 1 through 3. It says, Then Yeshua spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, who wrote what you're reading here, sit in Moses' seat, and that's a seat of judgment. That's not a seat of, 
of interpretation or any anything else. They're sitting in a seat of judgment. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, meaning in their judgment, observe and do, but do not according to their works, for they say and do not do, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, like extra things, like you've got to take time out to wash yourself if you look upon these things. So that's a, a, a heavy burden that's that's born upon people that are subservient to the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, in uh, the uh, Hebrew Matthew, it, the word they there, that makes it sound like it's referring back to the Pharisees. They sit in Satan. In, they sit in Moses' um, Moses's seat. That should say he, talking yes. about Moses. Yes. Okay, so it's talking about Moses. So yep. the, and But they go on, and just like you elaborated, I think they did add extra burdens. And see, this is an example of one right here, that if right. they saw a Christian... And they were called a cum, A-K-U-M, a cum. If they saw an a cum, they were to go back and take another bath. Now, listen to this part. Yabam, Yabamoth, okay, 90, 98A, says all Gentile children are animals. Now, the scripture tells you that if someone is a foreigner and they come into your land, how are you to treat them? With kindness. Absolutely. <laughs> this is going against scripture. Now, next one is the Arch Chamas 225.10. It says, he who sees a beautiful creature, even though it be in a cum, which is a Christian, or an animal, let him say, blessed art thou, O Lord, King of the universe, for who has placed such things on the earth. Okay, and then in the... The Mishnah in the 2.5D, it says, God created them in the form of men for the glory of Israel, but Akam was created for the sole end of the ministering unto the Jews day and night. So, in other words, the Christians were created to minister to the Jews. Okay. Nor can they ever be relieved from their service. It is because to the son of the king that the animals in their natural form and the animals in their human form should minister unto him. Linda, I got to jump in here on this one. I made the point that Jews see Christians as a, an inferior, lower class of people that have to come to them in order to learn anything or to receive knowledge that leads to salvation. And this is point this right here that you just read is the exact point that I was trying to make. Uh, I see that so clearly. There's more to it. All right, so we're going to read it all because I want to make sure everybody understands what's written in the Talmud. Rabbi Lershish, Narashish, famous commentator, uh, said that it is forbidden for, for, anim, for, for people to, because of the law of Moses, to eat the meat of a wounded animal, but it's okay to give it to the strangers in your gate because they were considered dogs. And then he quoted Exodus uh, 22, 31, and 32 that shows that you can give the, uh, ant, the wounded animals meat to a dog, so it's okay since a dog and is an animal and that a Christian is 
not much higher than an animal, then they, you can give them the meat also. I understand that this is unbelievable prejudice against Christians and that it is teaching that Christians are subhuman. And I'm, I'm going to go on because I want to make sure I cover it all here. And Evan Hazars 44.8, if a Jew enters into a marriage with a Christian or with his servant, the marriage is annulled, for they are not capable of entering into matrimony. That is, I'm reading the quotes here. Uh, Zohar 1.28b, now the serpent is more subtle than any beast of the field. That was in Genesis 3.1. Subtle that it toward evil that than a beast that is a idolatrous person in the earth, for they... They are the children of the ancient serpent, which was subduced by Eve. So now it's getting to the crust of here that it's in this particular book, it's telling you that the idolatrous Christians are the seed of Satan. To put people down to the, to that, with that kind of label. Now here's Sanhedrin 57a, a Jew, now listen to this, needs not pay a Gentile the wages he owes him for work. That's Sanhedrin 57a. So it's other, in other words, it's okay to cheat them. Uh, Sanhedrin 57a, when a Jew murders a Gentile, there will be no death penalty. Uh, what a Jew, when a Jew steals from a Gentile, he can keep it. So, I mean, these are the these are some of the teachings toward Christians that are in the Talmud, different writings of the Talmuds and the different writings of the of the rabbis. And we need to be able to understand that we have to recognize that there's good and evil in the Talmud. And that, okay. that's that tree that the Messiah doesn't want us to eat from, the tree of good and evil. Uh, back about 10 years ago, I was taking a look at a subject that led me into the synagogues of, um, well, here in my area, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I spoke with one rabbi from Atlanta, Georgia. And at the end of the day, after we had discussed this particular topic to the ends of the earth, uh, I found out something very interesting because this particular set of rab rabbis agreed that Judaism began it do – Judaism does not go back to Adam, doesn't go back to Torah. It began with the Babylonian exile. As a matter of fact, they consider – that anything written before the Babylonian exile is myth, and it doesn't it doesn't stand the test of time. And the next thing you're going to read is points to that uh, right. under the crazy but, stuff. Go ahead and I'm going to read the crazy stuff. I labeled it, it the crazy stuff because yeah. <laughs> San, Sanhedrin 54b: A Jew may have sex with a child as long as the child is less than nine years old. Mm. All right, and that's absolutely unbelievable. And then the Kabbalah 11b, when a grown-up man has intercourse with a little girl, it is nothing. Mm. All right, then here's another one. And 
Yabath 59b, a woman who had intercourse with a beast is eligible to marry a, uh, a Jewish priest. That's crazy. And then Sanhedrin 55b, a Jew may marry a three-year-old girl, especially if she's three years old and a day old. How crazy is that? And then it says, Yahbaoth 63a states that that Adam had sexual intercourse with all the animals in the Garden of Eden. So, I mean, this is some of the stuff that's been written in some of these famous books and that people read as the Talmud. And, and I'm telling you that there's that some of this stuff is just absolutely against Scripture. Linda, and what would, some of it is evil. What would you say if someone said, well, you're taking these statements out of context, out of their context? Uh, there's many rabbis that have tried to soften this by tr- trying to in, to translate it uh, in a different f- fashion or form, but it all basically amounts to the same thing. I, I don't know what else to say except that, you know, you have to realize what you're reading and, and always, always compare it to Scripture. So we were mentioning that the Christians or the people God has called are a body. They're not an organization. And it's not wrong to attend a church. I'm not even, I'm not even going there because no churches are going to be perfect. And, and that's because when people create organizations, they are never perfect. But the one that the Messiah is bringing is going to be perfect. And and we grow in grace and knowledge. We attend the, the, the groups and the sessions that we attend because we want to learn and, and because we have built relationships with these people. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with that except when you put your allegiance and your loyalty into an organization, then you, now you have stepped out of the bounds because the Messiah wants you to, to strive for perfection. So you can't put your loyalty in an organization or, or a, uh, a, a church group. That's not where your loyalty lies. Your loyalty lies with the Messiah. And we need, to, we need to talk about the Pharisees because the Pharisees were the ones that originally taught some of these things that were written down and put in the Talmud. Joy, let's read some scriptures here. Can you start sure. with Matthew 16, 6? Uh, keep in mind that the first part of this chapter is basically Yahweh give him a, a test if, if they could discern the sign of the times. Verse 3, he ends the, the passage by saying, but you cannot discern the signs of the Moedim. Now that's important because that's that goes back to the calendar. So anybody that looks to the Jews for their calendar information, here's a statement in the Gospels that says that they do not know how to discern the Moedim. That's the Greek word for signs of the times. And then finally in verse 6, the the passage Linda wanted read, it says, Yeshua said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And Linda's going to tell you in just a minute what that word leaven is, but uh, verse 12 gets to the point, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, 
but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, he point blank said here, he said, they said, well, he's not talking about bread. They understood that he was talking about their doctrines, the doctrines of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, in Luke 12, 1, I'm going to read this one for, uh, for us, Joey. In the meantime, when there were gathered together a numberable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon one another and began to say unto the disciples, first of all, beware uh, ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, the translators did a terrible job translating this word. The word hypocrisy is not hypocrisy as we know it. This word means deception. The word that should be here should say, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is deception. Okay, now John 4.24, it says, God is the spirit and that we worship him in spirit and truth. Now, I can't tell you how many people have told me that, well, it's in my heart, this is the way I feel, and this is what I'm going to practice and believe. And they're going against the scripture right here because your practices and the things that you believe must match up with truth. You got to be able to take what you believe and feel and find it in the scriptures. We need to weed out the things that we've been taught that are not in scripture, plain and simple. That's what we need to do. So Matthew 10:17 it said beware of the men for which for they will deliver you up to the council and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And this passage is, in my opinion, something that's going to happen to true believers at the end time. And so we've got to be very careful that we pay attention to this passage. There's so many of the teachings that, and we just need to weed out the things that are not correct. And that's the most important. And we need to understand where they're coming from. Now, if we have time, we want to read just a little bit more here. And uh, Mark 7, verse 9, and it says, And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandments of God, that you keep your own traditions. And this is what is in the Talmud, their traditions. And verse 13, Making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered, and many of such like things do ye. And now Matthew 15, 8, and 9, Joey. Matthew 15, it says, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as the doctrines, the commandments of men. Okay, and so that's what was introduced by these the Pharisees to the... That was the teaching that was going on that the Messiah had such a problem with. These same teachings were written down in the, in, as part of the oral laws written down into the Talmud, which came as early as 200 uh, A.D. And we as Christians must weed out, uh, out of our faith, our churches, and our religions the things that are not scriptural. 
If you cannot find a scripture for it in the Old or New Testament, you need to remove it from your, from your synagogue, from your church, and from your worship group. And that's how you serve and worship Yahweh. I, I mean, I'll just speak boldly when I say Judaism is based upon the Talmud. There's no two ways about it. It is not the religion of the Old Testament, as many people think. And we're not here to offend people, but we are here to bring people to the truth and have people come to their own understanding, study it themselves, and then make their decisions. Because truly, Yahweh is preparing a church and a people, and we need to be ready for that. And so with that, we're going to say blessings to all, and we will see you next week.